This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. You know, right from the hop, I think we stuck with our game. Yeah, they had some pushes. They got one there on us, um, but we never wavered. We knew they were going to have some kind of push at some point. Um, very confident group. Our PK was awesome tonight, too, and I think all four lines, you know, 60 contributed tonight for sure. Man, I thought we were getting good looks all, all night. I think, uh, you know, some good, good plays off the rush. Ozone, um, you know, obviously we know that guy pretty well. You know, whether that's, you know, a scouting report coming into a guy's mind coming down, uh, knowing where to shoot or not. Um, won't say too much about that, but it was, uh, it was good to put up a couple. I don't use the word perfect a lot, obviously, except when I'm talking about myself. It's it's tough to because you can throw it around a little too much. Of course, except when I'm talking about myself, then it's easy. That might have been the perfect way for the Jets to start the series with the Vegas Golden Knights. A 5-1 win, a couple of extras from Adam Lowry at the end there. But it could have been 5-1 going into the third anyway with how that first period played out. Fantastic performance. Derek Taylor and Jim Toth with you to talk about it, to get your texts at 204-780-6868. We're going to take all your texts in the final segment. We're going to talk about superhero Morgan Barron. <laughs> oh, my. Goodness gracious. Good Lord. It also, uh, I, just a side note to, to Jim, uh, the Morgan Barron incident allowed me to introduce Loren McNabb to the Clint Malarchuk incident. Oh. She'd never heard of it nor seen it, and now she's forever scarred. Uh <laughs> We'll talk about Nikolai Ehlers not playing. We didn't know who was telling us the truth. Apparently, it's the head coach, Rick Bonus on that one. And we will celebrate a 5-1 Jets win. 204-780-6868 for your text. Toth, this first segment, I figure we just pick guys and we praise them. Guys who deserve <laughs> praise. Because I, I went into that game going, okay, you know what? I think Dubois has got to be the stud tonight. But I'm curious to see what Mark Shifley does. And I, you can you can pick some stuff about Shifley, offensive zone giveaway. He's not the best defensive player. I really liked Shifley in that first period was determined to make things go. And I'm going to dangle in the offensive zone. I'm going to make some plays happen. I enjoyed Mark Shifley last night. You know what? Uh, and it was an impressive win because it was a total team win. And, and yes. I, this is the funny thing about social media. So I was checking it out this morning on what some Jets fans or what some conversations were, no one in particular, just on like media putting out scores and my own, like here's what happened last night and people weighing in. And it's funny how people are looking to, you know, well, I didn't think Pionk made a great play or I didn't make – there wasn't a Jet that had a bad game. Were there mistakes made? Yeah, there were some mistakes made. Um, but overall – it, there was far more good from every single player on the roster than there was bad. This is a total team victory. Yeah, They kept the Vegas Golden Knights to 17 shots total in the game on their home ice in game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, I would think that the first 10 minutes, the home team might have 17 shots in any arena, just given the magnitude of what's transpiring. Um, I was very impressed with the first period. Halfway through, they were uh, out shooting 8-4, the Golden Knights. They had their power play opportunities that didn't pan out till the end of the game, but then the penalty kill came to the forefront. I, I, I don't think that's the Vegas Golden Knights team. I think they have a better game in them. But then I don't want to take anything away from, I think it was twofolds. I, I think the Jets showed up. They withstood what we kind of knew was coming off, off the start. And then a total team effort. Uh, the Jets' defensive core, all six of them, oh. 
Man. The way they kept the Golden Knights to the outside. So to me, this was a textbook um, play from what the Golden Knights do. The Golden Knights are a 200-foot team that score off the rush and forecheck and make you make mistakes. I thought the the Winnipeg Jets, uh, first of all, had pace and energy. There you go. Um, but they forechecked well. They kept everything to the outside, and they made the Vegas Golden Knights make mistakes. And then they scored off the rush, which they're not traditionally this year or traditionally a team that scores off the rush. Well, because they make too many passes, right? Exactly. How many times did we beef about that? Yeah. So I just thought that maybe Dean Cassidy had slid over and started coaching the the Winnipeg Jets last night. (laughs) So I give Rick Bonus and and Scott O'Neill and Brad Lauer and Marty Johnson full credit for the game plan they came up with because it was the the Golden Knights game plan. And realistically, if you want to play against a team that, that has success off the rush, is you do that to them. That's how you counter that. You don't slow it down. And you don't try to gain possession. And um, so, look, let's talk players. Let's get into names and everything else. I, I agree with you. Mark Scheifele didn't have a point last night. Um, he had four shots on goal, two penalty minutes, and uh, was a plus one. He was only fit. Well, only fifty percent in the faceoff dots. Pretty good. Um, but sweet toe drag in the first period. And, and he a, did have a, a turnover. Yep. And I didn't like his cross-check penalty. I know he didn't and, and told the ref that that's freaking malarkey. But um, I, I, I like thought... he used that, different words, but okay. <laughs> I, I thought that's the penalty. No, he doesn't swear, by the way. He literally says freaking. He's been mic'd but up malarkey, in the game. come on. Well, malarkey I stole from my grandmother. Yeah, but, I was going to say, malarkey's a 75-year-old. So, so I don't... I, I mean, we'll go through the list. And again, did individual players make mistakes? I mean, the back check on the goal from Wheeler, uh, I know the TV crew, I was, I was watching the TV and then the intermissions, and I had uh, Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas on during the game, and uh, uh, Bieksa blamed Wheeler on the back check, and I agreed with him. But Instead then, of Barron, who but, was the defenseman. Yeah, yeah, but then when I watched it again, like that's a bad pass by Pionk attempt, and then Barron just... Barron, it's his man. Wheeler's right, but Wheeler's got to recognize that that he can't catch up to him, so you've got to go. Well, that'd be what Wheeler... Oh, sorry, Dylan. I'm sorry, Dylan. Dylan not, I'm sorry. That's Barron, right, yeah. yeah. And so that's, I mean, if I'm in a playoff game and I'm Wheeler, I, I just pick up the guy. I don't care if it's my guy or not. But he was directing traffic there and stuff. But I'll blame Wheeler for that, sure. Like, back check and, and prevent that. Um, Pionk made a mistake or two there. But, we could go through it, but there's so g- few. Give me a guy that you have positive thoughts about after game number one. Pick anybody, because we've we done Shifley. Pick the next guy. I thought Mason Appleton had an outstanding oh, game. Oh, okay. He paid 1935. I didn't like his finish. Like he, he's he's got to get, but I mean he's in the right places. He's in the right, and especially on the penalty kill, like it's that fine line when they're dropping the puck back to gain to get the speed to go through the the neutral zone and gain the zone, and he plays that perfectly every time. Like he takes that half step to make the guy think he's coming to make him pass it back, and it just kills another two to three seconds. I thought he had a great game, and then look, people who listen to this show think I defend him all the time. 1227, Blake Wheeler had a goal, two assists. Yeah. He was 67% in the faceoff circle. That's remarkable. If there's one thing that haunts this team from October till now, it's faceoffs. He has been asked the last about month, I think, month and a half to step up and start doing them. He went into a playoff game on the road and won 67% of his faceoffs. Yeah. So and uh, that's that's variance. Like he's not going to do that in multiple games. It doesn't yeah. matter. I though. mean, this was a game for him. Like yeah. I, I'm doesn't also matter. well aware that you know his days of being this dominant for the next three rounds are like it's going to have to be somebody else next game. 
But um, Lowry, again, who, who I think has been the best Jet for over a month now. Yeah. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois was exactly what Dubois I wanted. Dubois was exactly in, what you you wanted from a power center in the in a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, in the keys to the game that we do uh, on game days, I wrote up, you know what, I, I just need someone to – I just need someone to impress incredibly and just just blow the doors off and, and just have at it. And if you got to sell out to win a game, do it tonight. Pierre-Luc Dubois as the power center and the playmaker, and I'm going to finish this, and, and Dubois ends up with a goal and an assist. If, if you could have scripted the game that Pierre-Luc Dubois had, it, that, that would have been it. It he, was ideal. He was 62% in the faceoff dot, he, along with a goal and an assist, uh, a plus three, um, yeah. uh, he had eight hits in the game. Pierre-Luc Dubois had eight hits in the game. Yeah. And then he had the old, this isn't the regular season, Boussoin, as after he scored his goal, like his chirp at, I know, I know the TV crew was saying that they're speaking <laughs> French. Laurent Boussoin does not speak French. He doesn't know French. He just has a French name. He's from BC. So uh, I knew that from his time here. Don't ask me to speak French. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. Like, All right. You got the lip reading. You were the lip reading master. But he told like, I saw like the the whole hey, this isn't this isn't the regular season, it's playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he's engaged, he's like and he's going to have to be a difference maker. So, I've said to win this series, I think they're going to do it from their depth. I think one night they're going to need Connor and I know we're going to get into Ehlers. The next night you might need Shifley to have a game with Wheeler, and then the next night you might need Dubois and Morrissey to be the guys that... They'll need a Hellebuck steal. Yep. But I'm naming all these two-player combinations that in any game in a seven-game series could be the difference. And I'm looking at Vegas. Jack Eichel was terrible. Did he? Did, can we confirm that he played yesterday? Because I did not hear his name <laughs> Mark, even one time. Mark, Mark Stone made some plays coming back. Mark Stone hasn't played since January because he had back surgery, his second one in nine months. And he led all Vegas Golden Knights forwards in ice time. He dove to try to, the Jets going right to left, had an incredible opportunity. Stone dove, so the puck had to go over top. I think it would have been to Appleton to try to put it away. I'm like, this guy just got back? Okay, he, he was clearly healthy in the regular season, but they yeah. they gooned it. But, but back to yeah, your... Eichel, I don't know that Eichel played. I cannot confirm that because I didn't hear his name even one time. So so basically, come around, and I mean, to your point of, of Shifley, like he was engaged, he, you know, he made his mistakes. That, that's just, but he wasn't as bad and he was engaged and he was uh, forechecking. He was trying to check. energy. He, he was playing defense. He was trying to get back. Yep. Um, if you could tell, sort of wrap up and when people say, why do you think they're going to win? I, I would take this game that they played last night, not thinking they were going to play that way last night. I thought there would be lay more lulls in it. And I would, I would say, this is why if this team, as I've said for a year now is their own worst enemy. If they play like they can play, they're tough. And yeah, and that's like, now Vegas is going to play better and they're going to make, you know, adjustments. And I, I, th- I would think Eichel will be much better. Because he couldn't have been worse. He'd, he'd better be. Rob, he can't be worse. Robert's but, on the text line. So this is the the chess. We'll get to that. Yeah. Sorry. This yep. the, Dean Cassidy's a good coach. He was not happy last night. Bruce but Cassidy. He, Bruce Cassidy. Sorry, yep. Dean. Uh, but he his comments, I could tell, he's got a temper like Bruce Cassidy, right? So he was tempered, but he was mad. Yeah. And to me, that's I, I was like listening to him as opposed to anybody else in the post game going, okay, this is going to be interesting on Thursday, the counter to this. But hey. 
that's a perfect start to any series for oh. any team, especially the Jets. Absolutely. Roberts on the text line. What impressed me was the face-off wins. With the numbers you threw out, the Jets must have been 60% of the dot. Uh, well, here, two guys Adam over Lowry 60. was 42%, okay. um, but uh, Wheeler was 67. Stenlin, who's their other really good guy, was 42. Shifley, 50. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, 60. So three of the five guys were 50 or higher. Two of them were in the 60 percentile, and the other ones that didn't get to 50 were still in the 40s. That'll do. That's that is great. Your text 204-780-6868. We'll talk about Morgan Barron. My goodness. And what's to be done with Nikolai Ehlers? That's all coming up. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. The one minute penalty kill with Skylar Peters. Uh, Skylar Peters, uh, when you're tying a tie knot, do you go four in hand? Do you go half Windsor? Do you go full Windsor? Because uh, damn, dude, <laughs> did you see this cat? Looks like Daniel Craig. Ooh. That was, uh, I mean, I was flying after you said that Tother. When you get <laughs> just those, need a, just need a, you get a dress shirt to fit like that. That's custom, right? This is like I often say, how do you get a, a dress shirt and tie to fit like that? And they're like, well, first of all, you got to lose 25. <laughs> well, I was going to say, second don't of all, up the middle, like you and I, second of all, it's tailored. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh. No, this this bad boy's right off the rack at Morris, actually. That wow. is yeah. That, hurts. that must be from the Skyler Peters line then. Yeah. You look <laughs> yeah. fabulous. Uh, Thanks, boys. Doughy monkey armed guys like myself have to have to have them <laughs> <Yeah>. tailored. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you Peters. take this off shade of purple one? It's the only one we have in your size. Yeah. Get oh, them okay. Get them tailored. Yeah, that's that is the way to go. All right, 204-780-6868 for your text as we go on. We got a bunch of them about Morgan Barron. Uh, no surprise, Isaac, too bad about Morgan Barron's cut, but he'll be good to go. Game two tomorrow night. Let's repeat that. Chris says, you think Morgan Barron coming back after his injury sends a message to the rest of the team who may not have been giving 100% physically to now lay their bodies on the line. They said it during the broadcast. Uh, the Jets said, hey, it's 75 stitches that he took in the face in that Thank goodness there was that wasn't a, an overly aggressive act by Stevenson or anything offhand by Laurent Bossois that it was just uh, an accident. But uh, Morgan Barron, of course, asked post game about, oh, the cut that was. It's actually not bad. They did a great job stitching me up, and obviously it missed my eye. So um, I was glad it didn't get me in a really bad spot. But they did a great job fixing me up. The moment that it happened, uh, what went through your mind? Just trying to figure out if the puck went in because <laughs> it's sitting pretty close and then uh, obviously I kind of saw the skate coming and just an unlucky play I think a little bit unfortunate but like I said I think the first thought was that I could just see out of the eye so that was the main thing. feel like you guys or your, your teammates were inspired by the fact that uh, <laughs> I don't know maybe I didn't get to watch <laughs> I didn't get to watch much of the end of the first or the start of the second but um, you know it was nice going back to the bench and being up 2 nothing because it was 0-0 when I left so um, I was just kind of had my eyes closed getting stitched up and listening to the guys hooting and holler whenever we scored so it was good. What was the final number on the zippers? I'm not exactly sure. Over 75 though we heard? Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Just looking at the play, it looks like Chandler Stevenson at one point actually kind of pulls you back up. Is that how you saw it as well? Yeah, he said. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said to me, but he's checking in, just making sure I was all right because I think he saw the blood right away. So yeah, he helped me out a little bit. Was there ever any doubt that you weren't going to go back in? Uh, no, no. I uh, like I said, it missed anything important, and I had feeling and everything. So it was um, as long as they stitched me up. Well, just like they did, it was it was awesome. We were, the team did a great job in there. So, 
Full credit to Chandler Stevenson because I'd more expect a guy to be punching him in the head, old school <laughs> stampede wrestling style, trying to make the cut bigger on uh, the great Gama's head or whatever. But uh, full credit to Chandler Stevenson for that. But Morgan Barron, like I expect nothing less, but still, that's very impressive. I had feeling and everything, so I was going back in. Yeah. yeah, what did that feel like exactly? Like, I mean, look, the number of stitches I I tweeted out. I've never had seventy five stitches in my life. Like, I've had stitches about seven times, and I don't think it's been more than 10 at a time. I can't imagine. And the other part of that story I was thinking about, so when they're at, like, stitch 56, 57, 58, are they just like, just a couple more, we're almost done? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so, and and Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham this afternoon on the news right at 3.05 when they start are going to have a surgeon on to explain, like, how you would close that up and why so many stitches. But I would assume it's layers, right? Like, yeah. you have to go deep down to the cut, start there, and then layer it over and keep stitching on your way back out. Um, but it was a scary incident, Derek. I, I saw it in real time, and I sat forward on the couch because I was worried that Laurent Brassois' skate was coming up exactly. when, when he went into it. Now, thankfully, uh, Laurent Brassois' skate was just his knee was up and was st- standing still, basically, and the face came down on it. If that leg is moving at any point, that just keeps going right up his head. And then we're talking 75 on a skate that wasn't moving. On a skate that's moving... Uh, ish. So drag it across I, his face. And yeah. I agree with you. Like he's getting a lot of kudos and he should be, and he should be getting more in a playoff game like this or any game. And, and Chandler Stevenson to, to realize that. And I don't think he saw the cut. He might've saw the blood, but he saw the skate go under the visor. And then that's when he pulled back and was trying to pull him back. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that because, and not only credit for doing that, but I'm just thankful he saw the skate go underneath the visor because if he doesn't see it go underneath the visor and he just keeps pushing, like, oh, so yeah. um, there's, and, and I'm trying to just describe it because there's so many ways in split seconds, this could have gone way worse. Oh, and an inch lower and it's his eyeball. And, and th- this is the part where I saw that and I thought, thank goodness he's okay. He skates aside and he comes back and I go, I went to Google immediately and I went, Brian Berard. And if you, if you remember Brian Berard, you know where I'm going to go yeah, with this. Yeah. Brian Berard, if you don't know, was a first overall draft pick. And in 2000, he takes a stick in the eyeball and basically tears his retina and basically uh, essentially ends his, his career any trajectory toward being a star because now he's, they got him back to 2400 vision. Right. Yeah. With, with all the surgeries, he was able to come back and play in the NHL and then later uh, continue his career. That was the day I went, okay, well the NHL is going to mandate visors, visor, full visors, full shields, something. We're 23 years past the NHL. And in this case, the Toronto Maple Leafs losing the first overall draft pick from the five years previous. We're still not mandating visors. And I see Morgan Barron and I go, thank goodness it wasn't worse than it was. But when are we going to mandate that people coming into the NHL, your entire junior career, you got to wear a full full shield. Coming to the NHL, you got to wear a full shield. You just have to because this thing with losing teeth and this could have been career ending for Morgan Barron if it was an inch and a half different. And I can't believe we're still at the point where, nah, it's fine. So it is mandated now, just so you know. It came in a couple of years ago in the last CBA. But I was around when this discussion was going on, and Ron Hainsey was the NHLPA rep here with the Jets. And I had some lengthy conversations with Ron about this. 
and and Ron is one of the most intelligent guys, hockey world or not, that I've ever spoken to. Like there was a reason why he was the rep and really smart individual. And he had in-depth conversations with him. He goes, now, I'll tell you what I, f- I find out, not what my feelings are, but what I find out from the PA. And he goes, there's so many players here that don't say we're not against skate guards or we're not against Kevlar um, things on our arms or we're not against visors. What right. we're against is somebody telling us what we need to do. We play the game. We feel comfortable. We vote on this. And I, I know I, what you're going to say. I oh, get go it. Ahead. Protect you. Well, I need to protect you from yourself. They brought that's, in helmets, and and Dave Semenko could never, you know, let those glorious locks that's what flow. It is. And Guy Lafleur was contained. Uh, but I, like, I was a young kid when that ha- that became a thing. And you go, oh, okay, well, I'm never going to see uh, this guy again. And everybody seemed okay with it. And I used and to you watch- do it your whole career until you're fifth, till you're 16, and the junior A lets you. If he came from college, Baron came from college. He wore advisor up to like four years ago. Yeah. Well, and Lauren McNabb brought this up in her meeting too. So she goes, I go back to the discussion of not just the cage, but like the full shield. Like full. why don't they play? Uh, that's what I'm advocating for. To keep full. your teeth and to keep your cheeks and to keep, you know, everything else. So, um, but that's what I was told by Ron. And Ron said, you know, I feel that way, but this isn't based on what I feel. He said, it's what we vote on and what we go for. And he goes, the, the mass majority of the PA always votes. If I want to wear a visor, I'll wear one. Don't make me wear one. If I want to wear Kevlar underguards so I don't get yeah. my wrist cut, I'll wear one. But don't make me wear one. And that was their standpoint. Well, and the problem I have with that is peer pressure. It could be. I don't know. Like that, well, I'm just going because I'm with you. Like who's I was be around the first, when I was seeing these eye injuries as well. Who's going to break the glass? Who's going to be the first guy to wear the full shield full time? Nobody, because they're going to. Oh, 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 really? You're doing that? Teammates, oh, opposing guys are going to pick on them. And then la la. la. And then you see what's happened. Like Nito Niederreiter is one of those guys, right? You ever see his visor? It's not down. It's up. Yeah. Um, Sean Monaghan plays that way for the Montreal Canadiens, formerly of the Flames. His visor's pushed up. But so they, because now you have to have it. If you're not in the league, the half visor, right? Yeah. And it was when the new CBA came in um, and, and they voted, they said, well, now you all have to wear a visor if you're coming into the league from this year on. So there will become a point where every player will be wearing them. Yeah. But it's up until then, and if you were in the league prior or were drafted prior, that you can choose. And then some of the players, like I said, need a rider, pushes his up. There's not much protection. No, I, w- I want the full thing. I want these guys protected for themselves. I don't want eyeballs. I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's sexy losing teeth because you, you have those for a reason, right? Like, keep your teeth. Keep everything. See, and I'm kind of – I agree with you wholeheartedly. They should all have to wear visors. But, but I also agree with it's your choice. Like, it's well, – and, and to your point from what Hainsey said, if the PA does, we don't want you to legislate this, it's going to cost owners something to get that in a CBA, and the owners aren't giving up a nickel to save players from themselves. And so I don't, wanna, I don't want people to happen. call Hainsey and give him crap for this, but I remember in the conversation I said, well, this reminds me of the helmet debate, and he goes, don't get me started on the helmets. That's the <laughs> dumbest thing to never wear when I've ever heard. But But he said, but again, it's the standpoint of – if you if you don't want to wear one, like again, yeah. if I want to wear one, I will. Don't make me wear one. I I know what I'm comfortable with when I play the game. That's yeah. what the 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 sentiment. I'm going to be a big fan of the first first guy who goes to it full time because you did it for most of your career. That got you to the NHL. If everybody's doing it, nobody has an advantage of seeing the puck, and everybody's a little bit safer. Two zero four seven zero sixty eight sixty eight. Am I right? Am I wrong? Let me know a ton of your texts coming in the next segment as we celebrate the 5-1 Jets win in a 1-0 series lead. Jets at noon, 680 CJOB.
Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. 204-780-6868 is the text line. We're just doing text now till the end of the show. Ryan, it says no to the cages or full shield. Uh, Chris pointing out that Ron Dugay was a guy I should have mentioned that had great hair. Man, the, the uh, helmetless era. Uh, that one still has my heart a little bit because I was like five. <laughs> And there was flow going down yeah. the ice, but Craig McTavish was the other guy that was grandfathered in. Everybody had to wear a helmet. That's because, the one I couldn't come because with. he yep. was in the league prior to the rule. He could play without a helmet if he chose to. Uh, Linda is saying, I couldn't believe Wheeler's pick went in. The whole thing was in slow motion. He may not be as fast as he used to be, but damn, was he effective yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's his game's different, right? Because he's not the player he clearly was, but. This is interesting, too. I got somebody chirping me here on the line that says, you flip-flop all the time. I said, what am I flip-flopping on? He said, you had Wheeler retired and traded for the last half of the season. When all he wasn't- I do is get grief for defending Blake Wheeler. Who is this? Is this thing on? There are many There are is many men right? here giving their opinion. On? We all there are similar voices, and you know we, they confuse one of us for the other, and it's it, that but happens. Look, I mean, but you're I, a Wheeler defender. Blake Blake Wheeler needs to be like he was yesterday. Now I don't think he's going to do this every night. Like I think his he I think he understands. He said that in a post game or a pregame right before the end of the season, where he says, "Well, I'm not you know what I used to be." But I, I need to understand where I go. And I, I told the story of Nolan Baumgartner back in the day of the Moose where he yeah. had his first bad year after being an All-Star where he put up 50 points a year, 40, whatever it was. And and I asked him at the end of the year, like he was had a lot of injuries and everything else. And I said, you know, what what made you think he had such a bad year? And he said, I've lost a step. So the, the leave the zone offensive defenseman that I made a career out of, I now need to understand that I've – that's why I'm getting hit all the time and injured is because I'm trying to do the same things that I used to do. Yep. And then Baumgartner went on to play another three or four years as a stay-at-home defenseman and was an all-star again. That's what Blake Wheeler's become, right? Like, he's not ineffective, and he's not a third-line player. He's not a top-line player anymore, but he's a second-line guy that his vision and his hands, as we've seen last night— um, is what he is. He's not going to be perfect on every pass anymore, and he's not going to be up and down the ice like he used to be. But his vision and what he can do, and last night was a prime example, but also at, at where he is in his career, you know, if he could do this in a seven-game series twice, oh, that's perfect. Dreamy. Bruce is on the text line. Guys, just think of this. Goalies at one time didn't wear masks. I was a goalie, and I tell you, I just can't fathom that. I, I can't even envision that era of Goalies didn't wear masks and stood there. Pucks weren't coming 100 miles an hour, but still yeah. 70 with a with a straight wood stick still probably breaks a face is pretty good. It's just the whole Baron thing reminds me of, you know, the, the legitimate chances, the odds of something like that happening. Like, let's go through this. The odds of a goalie skate blade going up a guy's visor into his face. Yeah. Like, first of all, there has to be a mad scramble. The goalie has to be on his stomach somehow. How many times does that even happen in a game? He swan dove on top of a guy and to try to stop it. And the guy has to be on his knees coming at him, and somebody else has to put, and then the, the logistics of the blade literally not hitting him in the chin, not the neck, not yep. the top of the helmet, not the visor, but legitimately at that speed going up the... And that's what's fascinating about this to me is the odds of this literally ever happening are astronomical. 
and then yet it happened. And that's the well, game of hockey. Like these things. When you get all the bodies in one place, things are in spots. Yeah. The Evander Kane one, right? Where right. a guy skating by skate, uh, skates over him like accidentally. Go, and when that's Evander the one they're Kane, more worried about. Yeah. And when that happened, what did everybody say? I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. Yeah, absolutely. But and and that's, that's a good point. Because bodies are flying and skates are going everywhere. and Thus the big surface, right? 200, right, feet, yeah. wa- 200 feet wide gives you a lot of room to uh, avoid awful stuff like this. Uh, Daryl says, how about hockey and football players have to wear their helmets properly fitted? Man, Andrew Harris's helmet in the, <laughs> as a bomber popped off every game at least six times. You were talking about Niederreiter. Yeah. Uh, um, leaning up top, like properly. And, and there's I don't know how guys. you enforce that, but that's, I like that. I, that's, that's better to me. It doesn't go all the way, Daryl, but that to me is better. I like that idea. Yeah. And there, there's two guys too, that had really good games last night was need rider being pushed up for Ehlers. So, and then we should probably talk about Ehlers, right? Like I thought he was playing yesterday and then they didn't. So is that concussion? What else could that injury be? Well, that's right. right. If it's he, a shoulder or something. So now we know it's upper body because he was skating like the wind at practice. Yeah. He was participating Actually, in Actually, yeah, I take that back because shoulder sh- shoulder makes sense because like the, everybody reported, to your point, he was on the first power play in practice. He was skating like the wind. Yeah, and so then um, it, it's got to be upper body. And then it, it could be both of those injuries, whether it's concussion or shoulder, those are two things that you go, you know what? The worst thing we could do is the C- the series is even right now. It hasn't even started. The worst thing we could do is put them in. If two more days and then two more days, like now they have a win, right? Yeah. So now I'm wondering if they go, well, maybe four more days will, but both a shoulder or a collarbone, well, not a collarbone, but a shoulder and a, and a concussion would be, you could go, but those are injuries that do we need you to go? Yeah, I... Would they wear a, an injured jersey in practice in playoff time? You, you'd, you'd probably you'd hide well, that, Well, if right? you're not playing, like if you're not. If you're a black But ace, that's yeah. my point. Like yeah, he, not only, he not only skated in practice with the team, he was on a line rush. <laughs> Which is so, interesting. He insisted he would play. He said there was a miscommunication with the coach. Ehlers did not play, so we wondered who was telling us uh, tales, and it turns out it may well have been Nikolai Ehlers. They say they will reevaluate him today and tomorrow to see if he can play in game two on Thursday when the Jets take a 2 nothing series lead. What do you think happens? I said with my fingers we'll talk crossed. About it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it tomorrow. Game time is 9 o'clock Thursday. The pregame show at 6.30 with Kelly Moore. It is the best radio coverage of your Winnipeg Jets, and it was a great game called by Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas. 5-1. The Jets win. Fantastic game. Has us excited. We're back tomorrow. The Jim Toth Show is next on 680 CJOB.